Listen up, it's the Speakeasy with Annie Madden and Carla Trelaw. Conversations in the margins. A comfortable space for uncomfortable topics. Well, Annie, we're back again, poolside. We are. In sunny, sunny Portugal. It's a bit too hot. Is it? Yeah, I know. So the, the wind we'll get you another in cocktail. the corner <laughs> comes from John Dillon. Welcome, John. <laughs> Thank you, as I'm slurping my pina colada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. With no expenses <laughs> there for our guest here. It's a very small one. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thimble. Um, John, we, we're going to get on to talk about what you presented yesterday that's been spoken about a bit. But first of all, we wanted to find out about you, what you do while you're in this game. Okay, so I'm um, a hepatologist and gastroenterologist by training. Uh, I'm uh, also an academic, so I work at the University of Dundee and NHS Tayside, which is on the east coast of Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, which is cold and suffering from a hurricane at the moment. Wow. Is it? Yeah. You know about the hurricane? Oh. Yeah, just the... Th- Ooh, sounds horrible. Whichever one hit America has just arrived has in Scotland. Arrived. Yeah. So um, I look after people with liver disease, why I got into this game, I had a ward full of people with hepatitis C induced liver yeah, disease that yeah. were dying from it and we needed to do something about that. Mm, so my you. focus has been around, it was pretty clear in Scotland that most of the people that had it were disadvantaged in the way they could mm, access healthcare mm. and they therefore arrived late when there was little yeah, hope, particularly right. back in the dark old days of interferon and ribavirin where people who were very ill you just couldn't treat and yeah. mm. transplantation etc and of course transplantation the virus came back and didn't do well in the, the liver so mm. that was where I got uh-huh. into it and you know I was a young registrar at the time the virus was discovered and the right. first antibody test appeared when I was registrar so I was you know, being trained in liver disease. None of my bosses knew anything about this because right. it was all brand new. So mm. it was mm. sort of something to get into and it was going to be a problem. And then, of course, we discovered quite how big a big problem, problem it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, how yeah. it got, and then it came into sort of suddenly you needed a new set of skills compared to you know, dealing with autoimmune liver disease uh-huh. or... Mm. Um, Alcohol, although yep. there was, there are areas of overlap with mm. alcohol in terms of having to think outside the box if you want to mm. focus on stopping people ending up. Because you know, from where I normally engage with people, half of them are dead within a couple of weeks from their liver failure, mm. and that's you know. And mm. if you think about trying to, and if you think about Hep C, where you've got this slow motion car mm. crash of 20, 30 years mm. that you could have done something about it, yeah. and yeah. then you can't. So that's why I came into it, that's why I got into it, and that's why, rather than sort of worrying about the liver disease and the sort of, you know, the virus stuff, it was about how are we going to get this treatment out into yeah, the people yeah. that really need it. and In a timely people, way. Yeah, yeah. and mm. the people who are mm. you know, really disadvantaged mm, and already yeah. having to cope with a load of things. So that's where I'm coming right. from. Okay. Now, um, confession time. Neither Annie or I saw your presentation yesterday. Oh, right. So I've got right. 35 slides here. Yeah. <laughs> we were busy doing well, other yes, things, yes, of that's course. That's right. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't so being worked apparently, apparently, apparently it was a highlight, I'm Exactly. Told. That's why I've heard the buzz. That's <laughs> why I want to know. Mm-hmm. So a key um, metaphor in your presentation I've heard is the bin. Okay. What is the bin and what goes in it? So I was landed with the target task or with the the job of talking about task shifting to try and make the pathway care so there's been you know the continuum of care has been talked about a huge Mm -hmm. amount at this meeting Mm -hmm. and you know every time you've got a step 
in you know, a, a block or a barrier in the, mm -hmm. the system of you, mm -hmm. you know, somebody who might have hep C has got to go somewhere to get yes. tested, they've got to go somewhere else to yeah. get another test, they've then got to go and see someone to get referred to someone who can yeah. assess them for mm -hmm. disease. So all of those steps and barriers along the way and every time there's a step or a barrier you lose people. Yeah, people exactly. can't be bothered, mm -hmm. people uh, get upset about it and you know, mm -hmm. it's barriers and problems along the way no matter what background you're coming from and if you're already fearful about mm -hmm. how you might be treated if you go somewhere mm -hmm. strange or new you're even less likely to go to the next step yeah. so the theme or the theme of the whole presentation was around how many of those steps are really necessary right. and if they are necessary how can we do them better so that the things are an easy stop so the first set of um, stuff was really if you look at what you're doing and all those steps from getting a diagnosis mm -hmm. getting referred to treatment getting assessed for treatment getting on treatment finishing treatment um, how many of those tasks were actually necessary yeah and if you Good didn't point. need them you could then mm. stick them in the bin and the best place yeah. to, to put a task is in the bin just yeah. get rid of it altogether rather yeah. than delegating yes. it to someone else and <laughs> shifting it somewhere else so we started to go through some of the tasks so you, you were quite bin. subversive in the topic you were given you, you move from task shifting to task eliminating yeah. <laughs> binning uh, As in and crash. in terms of um, I suggested that uh, for keeping the subversive theme going that I had a, um, as, as a nice slide I've got of a picture of Che Guevara with Gandhi's face on him. Oh, and man, so, we missed it, didn't we? Andy? I know. And so, you know, the yeah. revolutionary um, yeah. aspects yeah. of Che Guevara, but without the violence and the mm. passive um, resistance mm. profile of Gandhi. Okay. So that was nice. it. And so... <laughs> getting rid of all the ones that you could be revolutionised about and dumping mm. them. And clearly a lot of the stuff that's in the pathway is a hangover from when you, we had interferon ribavirin. And okay. you know, we used to put people in TB hospitals and smallpox hospitals, but you know, we yeah. stopped doing that. We knocked yeah. the hospitals so down. So what has gone in the bin large? What are the big ticket bin so items? Big, big <laughs> ticket bin items are you know, uh, assessment, of fibro assessment for treatment you know, right. in terms of how many diagnostic tests okay. do you need. Mm -hmm. And clearly like getting... Biopsy you know, or something. Yeah. Well, the biopsies and things are clearly, we binned those a good while ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was part of that revolution. <laughs> um, so we got rid of that. So it's back to getting the tests done. So yeah. you know, if you think about the, one of the first tests of the complications of getting a test, venipuncture, so you've yeah, got to find a vein exactly. and stick a needle in it and yeah. get blood out of it. And that's yeah. often difficult for many people. Yeah. Um, it often means going somewhere where you're not usually going. Yeah. So say if mm -hmm. you're in a needle and syringe program or yeah. you're in opiate mm. substitution mm. therapy, there isn't someone around no. you that can do venipuncture. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. let's be honest, it's often difficult venipuncture as well. Mm. Strange yeah. that that's the case, but there you go. But that's it is. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> venipuncture tends to get associated yeah. with people who have a highly developed skill set. There's loads of other yeah. skills and they're expensive. Yeah. Exactly. So mm. they tend to get stuck in big white hospitals mm. and what have you. Yeah. Mm. So we've talked a lot about, or we started to think about task shifting. If you make the technology simpler, so dry mm. blood spot testing, which involves Great. a little pinprick yeah. in the side yeah. of your finger, yeah. you squeeze five drops of blood out onto a little card, you let yeah. it dry in the air for five minutes, um, you fold it over, stick it in the post, and it goes off to your local lab. Yeah. And the lab process it in the normal yeah. way, and they give you a hep C antibody, a hep C PCR, yeah. a surface antigen for your hep B, and an HIV test, all on one card. Right. So 
first Why not? Yeah. Nice. So that's really yeah. nice. That yeah. task is then easy because yeah. you can then train. You know, anybody can stick yeah. a needle in their finger. We've yeah. all stuck a needle in our finger at some point, right? Every yeah. time you yeah. rummaged around the bottom of a you know, mother's um, <laughs> sewing box or something. Um, I've missed that experience. <laughs> <laughs> Did your mother not sew? No. Yeah, we obviously didn't have a mother who hid the chocolate bars in the bottom of the oh, sewing box. Oh, she, she sewed, but there was no reason or interest for me to go into that box. But anyway. No, you know, it was the chocolate. <laughs> Um, and so that makes it easier. But then if that simple change in technology means that instead of a few people who can do venipuncture having to do the test, yeah. you know, anybody who is working anywhere where there are people in need of a hep C test could be trained to do the test. Brilliant. And that's mm. what we've done across Scotland, and we've got big evidence around that, and it just removes that whole barrier. Mm. And so mm. you, you know, if we, in Scotland, we had, had, have had high levels of hep C testing for years, rather mm. like in Australia. Mm. But when we introduced dry blood spot testing, we got a 30% jump in testing. The rest of the mm. testing didn't fall off. We were still yeah. finding people mm -hmm. in all the other pathways we had, but we reached a whole new population that we were Excellent. never getting before. And one of the things in Australia has been mm. people coming forward for antibody tests, yep. but not not getting the confirmatory PCR. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, and this so becomes yeah. one stop. So exactly. suddenly you've dumped. Great. So the whole series of things, all of those repeat tests mm. got binned. Mm -hmm. So we got everything on the first one. Yeah, no. Nice. And it must be you know cost effective as well. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. So I mean, it's marginally more expensive to do it by dry blood spot testing than venipuncture. So yeah. if you can do venipuncture, you should do venipuncture. Mm. Um, but if you can't do venipuncture, then the dry blood spot testing yeah. gives you a you know, yeah. yes, you've got a problem. No, you haven't yeah. got a problem. Let's be honest, most people are hoping for the no, I haven't got a problem, but then they know they're free and out of yeah. it, and that's yeah. a nice, quick and simple. They haven't had to go anywhere, they haven't mm. had to yeah. go mm. see anybody new. Mm -hmm. so but the, the venipuncture, would that be draws for both P um, anybody and PCR tests in the one go? So often it won't be, yeah, because mm -hmm. it's different blood yeah. tubes, and so mm. it's a second step. And yeah. so you've been the whole, you've probably mm. been three or four visits yeah. in one go. Yeah. yeah. Now there are other fancier technologies that are just becoming available where you can do, you can get the machine beside the person, do a PCR on it. You can't yeah. get the other tests done. Mm. So yeah. that may work for some places, sure. but the dry blood spot test is really simple, yeah. and that's the beauty yeah. of it. So anyone can use it. Yeah. So that takes out a whole series of things. Now, if you've trained someone to do PCR, to do a dry blood spot test, you've trained them how to talk about doing the Hep C yeah. test. You've trained yeah. them to about, about how to tell people the result because if you've done the mm -hmm. test, you should be passing mm -hmm. the result back to the person. If you've done all of that, you've got someone who's pretty expert about hepatitis yeah. C. Expert enough to know, right, you need treatment. Isn't and expert yeah. enough to refer. Yeah. And so instead of having to go off to see a general practitioner yeah. or an yeah. addictions doctor mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. all of the people, be they social workers, um, volunteers in the needle exchange, mm -hmm. some of whom are peers, mm -hmm. um, they can do the referral. So Brilliant. we gave them nice. a standardised mm -hmm. referral letter, you know, the information we needed yeah. to know so they knew what to fill in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and often they filled it in with the person who was newly diagnosed mm -hmm. and that went into the system. So that's another task yeah. completely gone. So yeah. suddenly instead of all of those journeys and trips, the guy or girl with mm. the hep C is, hasn't had to move out of wherever they were going anyway, mm -hmm. whether that was mm -hmm. their pharmacist to pick yeah. up their OST, yeah. um, down into a needle exchange, yeah. or wherever they yeah. happen to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's neat. So all of those steps got binned, which yeah, is good, good, and we've made it, and we've shifted the task that's left down to the people who are working there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I can sit back in my office and drink coffee. Or pina coladas. <laughs> yep. Can That's have another the case, one, maybe. <laughs> no, no, budget doesn't run that far. <laughs> <laughs>
there is the issue about you know if you're going to shift tasks to people people have got to want to do it mm. and so you need to motivate mm. them to want to do it now that's mm -hmm. often um, there are a number of reasons for doing yeah. that sometimes you can pay them mm. okay are you, are you talking about workers or workers mm. okay. yeah. isn't it just their job they're already getting paid yeah they would argue mm. that yeah, their job some of them yeah, mm. would put the argument forward because I've had this row yeah um, <laughs> that, that you know I'm there to deal with the addiction Mm. I'm not dealing with an, anything else. You know. Then viruses, wow. that's your problem. Wow. You as a virus doctor. Do you think that happens in other areas of healthcare oh, for yeah. individuals, or is this something quite unique no, to it happens all the time. People mm -hmm. have, you know, this is what I'm going to look Sinkered, after. You know, siloed. Part of that, you know, mm. if you, you know, you know, I'm not a surgeon, okay? Mm. So if you had well, the need to have your yeah, gallbladder sure. out, sure. You wouldn't say, yeah, oh yeah, I'll just uh, extend my skill set and mm. do it. But you mm. can see the thing, so it's about competence mm. and expertise, etc. But if we're training people to do that, so if you're going to task shift, you need to make sure you've got them pro properly trained. You need to get them to view it as part of their job mm. and their role. Now, it's doing the right thing, so there is that altruism thing around it. Mm. You can reward them for doing it. And the other issue to discuss is that often when it's in an addiction setting, mm. The relationship is often quite confrontational, particularly mm. in, say, some of the opiate substitution therapy sites and the addiction things, with people wagging fingers, telling you, you must do X or Y, and I will only do this for you if you do those things. Oh, that doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> That Never heard that before. In Australia. Yeah, or anywhere else across the world. So, so that does happen. Now, that's often de detrimental for the therapist as well as the, as the person who's affected. So... Hep C is neutral ground. Yeah, you, we've heard this as well yeah. in Australia, yeah. that yeah. it creates open stores. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so if you, if you can deal with the Hep C, trust gets built up, relationships mm. expand, mm. you're starting to look at people for all of their needs, mm. not just mm. the confrontation around their addiction. Mm. So that's the mm. selling point to get quite a lot of these tasks shifted. But you need to think about mm. who you're shifting the task to and how you shift oh, the task. So that's mm. another one of those things. Nice. So if we've done diagnosis and we've done referral, we're now on to liver assessment, yeah. etc. which yeah. you, know, you go to some of the big liver meetings and us hepatologists you know, <laughs> love to talk about fibrotic liver diseases. Well, sadly, we get excited. <laughs> we have some insight have into that. Sad it makes people sick and we can make people better that's why we're interested in it yeah. that's what we're out to do so that's mm. why we get mm. off on it so we get a bit focused about you know mm. because we came from this most of the gastroenterologists and hepatologists and ID physicians that got into this field came from the point of view we want to stop people dying of liver disease yeah. and so that was our motivation mm. for getting into this field and so that's why we're still hung up about mm, yeah. mm. and when the drugs were really expensive etc you had to try you know we were, having, we were in those awful situations of having to decide if people were sick enough to get the drug or yeah. making people wait Great nice. for, thankfully yeah. we're largely away mm. from that now um, so but fibrosis assessment is a problem now. Mm. So you can make it simple. So um, you, know, you can have fibre scans, you can have liver biopsies. Thankfully, we've got rid yeah. of the liver biopsy. Mm -hmm. The fibre scan is a big bit of kit that you've got to drag around with yeah. you. It's expensive and you've got to train people to do it. And so again, you've got a barrier there if you're gonna mm. do that. You can do some quite simple 
maths on some of the blood results. So if you've done one blood mm -hmm. draw, so yeah. you've done your dry blood spot testing, but if you do mm -hmm. some proper venipuncture, mm -hmm. which most people are still having one set of that, yeah. you can do your fibrosis measure on that. Yeah, interesting. Now that's not a perfect test, but there's a way you can use it where it can be very good at telling you you definitely haven't got cirrhosis. Right. Yeah, and for right. about 80-90% mm. of people who are in needle mm. and syringe or in open substitution therapy, they're going to get on all clear on that straight mm. off. Yeah, okay? right. And so you can then just let, there's about you know, 10 in 100 people, 15 in 100 people who are, it's uncertain as to mm. whether they've got fibrosis or not and then they need they a fibro scan or something else. But clearly yeah. that's, you know, mm -hmm. people can try and reach out to them or we'll try and reduce the barriers but in the interest of time that's the idea so we could do that alternatively there is the dylan test i'm now patenting this the dylan test world exclusive world exclusive world exclusive if you're under 35 and you haven't drunk a lot of alcohol there is no chance you've got cirrhosis and wow. anybody can ask how old you are. Now, some people might lie about it. I'm not saying you might do that, but you never know. Yeah, I'm under 35. <laughs> Definitely me. <more. laughs> um, and the alcohol Still. question can be you know, a, bit, a bit of an issue. But you know, yeah. on the whole, if, you know, people, if they know it's going to help them, they're going to be honest sure. about it. And people sure. are usually very honest about these things. And so that means that you've identified a group of patients where you could avoid doing yeah, the yeah. full blood count or the, the venipuncture altogether. So another task is this the just bin. because they have the natural history of the disease yeah, they, haven't they haven't had it long had, enough yeah. and so if they're not there drinking a, yeah, there is a, yeah, yeah, okay. there's a few assumptions there okay. so assuming you got the virus late yeah. teens early 20s mm -hmm. and you're under 35 so you've mm -hmm. had it for no more than 15 years mm -hmm. so you're going to be probably in the clear. And if you haven't drunk alcohol heavily, mm. um, we know the two things together really make the liver go faster. And what faster. does heavily mean? Is that an interesting question? Or so not? it is an interesting question. <laughs> so as someone got up and said during the meeting, mm. where do you find someone in Scotland that doesn't drink heavily? Oh, <laughs> no. And someone else said, you know, initially, three glasses of wine a day is considered kind yeah. of good for the soul. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so you we, know, we if know there's no about, level of drinking that's yeah, safe. If you think about yeah. sort of, if you're thinking in standard, drinks it's about less than 14 and if you're thinking in sort of units it's about 14 as well so that's like units per, per week per, per week. week all right okay. so <laughs> yeah, not per day no problem yeah. <laughs> per hour no 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 so, so that's yeah that's about you know 14 um, mm. single sh measures of spirit yeah. a So week. two drinks a day yeah, or something two, yeah. roughly um, it's, um, something. You know, yeah. it's two small mm. glasses of wine yeah. or one large mm. glass of wine um, and mm. it's a pint of beer or mm. two halves. Yeah. Okay. So it's that sort of level of, mm. of drinking. Mm. Okay? Okay. So that's, above yeah, that, okay. your risk starts to go you up. Start, yeah, okay. yeah. And, for, you know, and for many people who are... Uh, Injecting drugs. Mm. Um, yeah, they may not be drinking. Alcohol is not, not a big issue for Yeah, alcohol is not a big issue for them. Want. Perhaps as they get yeah. older, alcohol yeah. becomes more of an issue. Everyone's different, but that's the sort of thing. Yeah. So it then becomes a useful rule to have yeah. around it. Now, but I mean, this is such an interesting discussion in the context of prohibition and all the things yeah. that we talk about, isn't it? We're talking about the legal drug yeah. here that is really one of the most yeah. harmful. Yeah. And we're also talking about, you know, for those people who are injecting drug users, often their drug their alcohol use goes up when they can't get access yeah. to the drugs they actually yeah. really want, which are yeah. the ones that are illegal. Yeah. So I just find this yeah. stuff very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it is interesting, out, isn't it? And, yeah. But it's, you know, it's starting to apply common sense to the yeah. way that we yeah, do all great. this thing. Yeah. And, mm. you know, 
clearly, you know, we know that if you get treated, your liver disease stops mm -hmm. progressing. Most of the other manifestations of Hep mm -hmm. C disappear as well, mm -hmm. and it's only those guys that are, and guys and girls who are left with um, a degree of scarring on their liver mm -hmm. that we need yeah. to worry about. Mm -hmm. and so, so what else? It. What else is in the bin? So. The fibrosis assessment's in the mm -hmm. bin, so that mm -hmm. makes it simple. And mm -hmm. if you put that in the bin, it means ultrasounds, yeah. endoscopy are all in the bin yeah. as well. So you've mm -hmm. sorted, you've avoided that for most patients, so you don't mm -hmm. need to do that, which means you don't have to go to the hospital, yep. which means you don't have to the see the things. Endoscopies are not fun. Yeah, no. mm. So you're suddenly, mm -hmm. so you're again putting everything back into that trip up to the hospitals in the bin, the taxi mm. fare, the bus ride yeah. is in the bin. So suddenly you're still staying wherever it was you got your first mm. test done. Yeah. Yeah. So suddenly we're back to your dry blood, your finger spot of blood, mm. And a question about how old you are and how much mm. you drink. Mm. So, again, and I would put it to you that any of us who can speak our primary language and the yeah. same language mm. as the person we're dealing with can ask them how old you are and how much you drink. So, mm. suddenly you've binned a whole lot of it, it's become really simple. Now, that's mm. not going to fit everyone, but it could sure. fit lots and lots of people. Mm. And that's the mm. point of trying to get these things simple. So, We've done the referral, we've done the fibrosis assessment, it's now the prescription. Mm. You know, you're suitable for treatment, you've got hep C, yep. you haven't got a complication, we've asked about drugs, it's actually you're still, you haven't moved mm. out of wherever mm -hmm. it was you started from, mm -hmm. that's all good. And then you've got the legal stuff around um, writing the prescription, prescription etc. Mm. So mm. you need to work out what is absolutely the law. Mm. And if you don't do it, you go to jail or you get yeah. struck off or something. <laughs> so you need to know what the real rules yeah, are. Sure. Now, it's worth going actually checking what the real rules are mm. because mm. In, yeah. every, in every yeah. in every country, it's a bit yeah. different. Every yeah. jurisdiction, yeah. it's a bit different. And actually, just because it's been done that way in mm -hmm. before, that's not necessarily what the law says. Exactly. And there are other ways yes. of doing it. Mm. Completely. So the sort of mm. things to think about are whether it has to be a physician that prescribes it or you can have a non-medical prescriber. So mm. in many countries, the UK, for instance, we have lots of non-medical prescribers. Right. So a nurse or a pharmacist can be trained to prescribe a limited number of drugs and you can put hep C therapy in those limited number of right. drugs. Right. Now, if you happen to be in an opiate substitution pharmacy, pharmacy. Mm -hmm. so in many countries it's a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. In Scotland, you are only 500 metres away on average from your nearest pharmacist, so it's really local. And many people on opiate substitution mm -hmm. therapy are in there every day, or yeah. certainly five or six days a week. Yeah. Yeah. And the pharmacist, if he can prescribe for you, he can also do your dry mm -hmm. blood spot test mm -hmm. and can mm -hmm. ask you the question about how old you are. Suddenly he can prescribe, mm -hmm. you haven't left. So, and how is how are specialists and GPs and stuff receiving this? Because this is eating into their core business, isn't it? I mean, you know. So, if you is work it, in the national, if, if you work in the National Health Service in England mm. and in Great Britain, because oh. I work in Scotland. Um, Stop destroying the joint. <laughs> <laughs> too many people. <laughs> There's too many pina coladas yeah. just distracting the whole thing. <laughs> so if you're in a situation where um, the doctors are on um, a fixed salary, yeah. which mm -hmm. we are in the UK, mm -hmm. uh, if I, if my patients get treated and I don't have to see them and they get treated properly to a high standard, mm -hmm. I've done my job. But I've sat yeah. in the office drinking coffee, not having to do it. <laughs> now, the way. Joking aside, the way mm. we do that for our non-medical prescribers is we have a protocol of things that, you know, if the, if the person who's got hep C and is being treated is um, fulfilling all of the mm -hmm. criteria, there's nothing mm -hmm. complicated, they haven't sure. got any other diseases, yeah. they're not on any other funny drugs, yeah. there's nothing else that's happened to them in the past to do with their health that's been a problem or is a bit weird. So if they're clean on all of that, they can just go straight on to treatment. Mm -hmm. yeah. If they're not clean on all of that, the pharmacist or the nurse or whoever's delivering the treatment needs to be able to ring someone or email someone or yep. turn up at a meeting and say, 
I've got Joe, he's got mm. all of these things, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Can I still yeah. treat? Now, yeah. most of the time, you can just carry on treating mm -hmm. um, and no need to. Mm. So you then binning the physician. Wow. I'm in the bin. And at that point, I'm leaving because you put me in the bin. <laughs> Are you doing it yourself? <laughs> yeah, You're don't blame us. <laughs> I mean, this, this is not dissimilar to the nurse-led bottle of care in prison that Andrew yeah. Lloyd started in New South yeah. Wales, and maybe there's, you know, so there's there'll be other... lots of people across the world like doing, yeah. doing the model, and so it's thinking about what you can get mm -hmm. rid of. Simpler, mm -hmm. because the treatments have become so safe and so simple, mm. we can get... Now, for most people, we can get rid of a lot mm. of the steps, and there are still going to be people that will need mm. special things doing to help them through treatment, yeah. and we can make it easier for them to yeah. do that. And it means if we've got less pressure in the rest of exactly, the system, can really we can really focus on the people that need Help and help make yeah, and help make things work better. I mean, it's just yeah, too logical and rational. Yeah. <laughs> never take off. Well, <laughs> sorry, right. never takes off. Yeah, so um, we have now done the trial across the whole of Scotland with the pharmacy-led pathway. Uh, we put eighteen uh, three thousand patients through the trial. We showed the results yesterday afternoon, and mm -hmm. going through that pathway doubles the number of people that want to take up treatment and doubles the number of people that engage in treatment. Nice. Oh, so that's very nice. It works. Yeah. It's proven. So yeah. you know, clearly, it's different countries, you'll have different bits mm -hmm. to get around the legal regulations, yeah. etc. And you know what drugs are available and all yeah. that sort of stuff yeah. and diagnostics. But in principle, it's done yeah. and it mm. works, and mm. it's about you know thinking about how we can use these drugs most effectively, mm. and that allows us to then really think about elimination because the people who are most likely to have. Um, most problems accessing mm. other people that we most want to engage in treatment if we want to move towards elimination of hepatitis C. So, yeah. it's nice. Eventually, yeah. so the final thing that's going in the bin is Hep C. Oh, oh yay! Tied it up with a bow. It isn't it? Ding. Yeah. So, okay. So, there's some. Are we able to? Are there some things we could link to our this podcast that might be good for other clinicians or others, so pharmacists, others? We are writing in up the the CBRC study. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some of our network care papers, etc. Okay, we can have great. some links to that yeah. uh, and describe the stuff. And there are other examples. Quite a lot coming out of Australia. Um, so things are changing very quickly. Yeah. The information's appearing. Quite a lot of this stuff is um, because it's common sense. It's yeah. you know, it's no big just, deal. Um, people tend stupid. not to write it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple, stupid, and do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's exactly that. And so it doesn't get written yeah. up in, as randomised controlled trials because people say, "Well, that's just blindingly obvious. Yeah, Why do you need to yeah, do a trial yeah, to do yeah, that?" Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But yeah. sometimes. So. So on. getting yeah. so. And it, mm -hmm. what we need to do is get other people to yeah. describe what they do. And yeah, so exactly. we had a website or something. If you've got something, we can yeah. stick some up or link to other podcasts yes. that people yeah, can write absolutely. in and stick their descriptions in. Perfect. Well, there you go. We'll, we'll do that. That's nice. We'll we do need a website. website. Well, okay. Look, oh, that was great. Yes, it was really, really good. Thank you. We should have come to the talk. We should have. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing revelation in yes. front of us while yes. we're visiting and, and this afternoon in front of the pool. Yes. I mean, you know, a much nicer way to receive the information. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're we're at the end of our podcast for our institute trip. Yes. Thank you so much, John, for your time and good luck with it all. Really we'll brilliant following. work. And uh, mm. yeah, we'll watch it closely. And um, that's it for us. We're yep. out of Portugal. Yep. And uh, we'll see you back in the digs in uh, UNSW Sydney soon. Bye. We're Bye. Out. For more information,
information about this podcast, our guests, and upcoming episodes, head to httpcsrh.arts.unsw.edu.au.